it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, the people who are out there teaching so much of this stuff, you know, they'll show you they have millions of viewers or millions of downloads and all these followers. And I think it can discourage a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs like, oh, I'm never going to be Joe Rogan or whoever. And to your point, it's not about that. You know, you want to be almost like this big fish in a little pond type of thing. It's about really just getting the expectation right that you don't have to be this world phenomena to really, A, have an impact and help a lot of people and really have a nice business. Welcome to another episode of Listeners to Leads, where I'm helping podcasters launch and maintain a lead generating show. I'm your host, Alicia Galati, the CEO and head podcast strategist behind Galati Media, a full service podcast management company. On this show, you'll hear my guests and I discuss everything it takes to launch a successful podcast and keep it running. If you're ready to get leads, land speaking gigs, and create deeper connections with your audience through your podcast, then this is the show for you. Today on the podcast, we have Mike Capuzzi. I'm so excited to introduce you to Mike. We had such a fantastic conversation talking specifically about creating a book using your podcast, which I know that's something that we've generally touched on on the podcast, but he has some incredible information and ideas. Literally through the conversation, he's blowing my mind with these ideas. So I hope that it is inspirational for you. Make sure that you get Mike's free gift that he mentions at the end so that you can learn more about being a author and using your podcast to create a bite-sized book. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming Mike to the show. Hello, Mike. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm very excited about our conversation. So if you could just start by telling everyone who you are, what you do, and about your podcast. First of all, Alicia, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. So my name is Mike Capuzzi. I am a 20, gosh, 23, 24-year veteran of direct response marketing. Actually, I have a degree from Penn State in engineering, did that for a couple of years way back when, and moved into a marketing role in a software company, and then started my own company in 1998. And since 98, I've been helping initially larger businesses, but now pretty much you know smaller Main Street-type businesses, uh, though we do have some larger clients, but really help them with direct response marketing and now specifically book publishing and, and helping them publish lead generation type books. So that's what we do. You know, I know people can't see me, but the gray hair means, yeah, I've been doing this for a little while. <laughs> I do have a podcast also. It's called The Author Factor, where I do interview nonfiction business book authors and really focus the conversation on how you use a book to differentiate yourself, market yourself, get people to know, like, and trust your business, et cetera. So you mentioned direct response marketing. Can you kind of break that down for our listeners who are like, wait a minute, <laughs> what kind of marketing is that? Yeah. Well, listen, there's obviously all, you know, there's marketing as a high level umbrella. And then there's obviously digital marketing, direct mail marketing, offline, all, there's, you know, all social media, et cetera. Direct response is probably a notch below the general marketing in that it's a type of marketing, Alicia, where the whole point of it is to elicit a response, a direct response. So what that means is, and you've seen, everyone has seen these on TV, social media, email, whatever. Instead of just being an advertising, like maybe during the Super Bowl where you'll see a commercial and you're like, well, what the heck are they even selling? Or, you know, what do they want me to do? You know, more of like brand awareness. Direct response is unique in that everything, 
every campaign, every touch point with a prospect is meant to elicit a response, raising their hand, asking for more information, something where you can continue the conversation, which is what we do with the kind of books we publish. They're direct response books, and they have triggers built in to elicit more response from those readers that want more. I love that so much. And I feel like a podcast is a great way to use as a direct response marketing of like, and I talk about this quite often of like using your podcast to generate leads, but dabbing in those little things and those calls to action where you are talking about your services. You're not just like, oh yeah, I do this thing. No, talk about what you do. Have people raise their hand, tell them to reach out to you in DMs, create that connection. So that way you do take them from that listener into that lead. I think it's a podcast is a great way to do it. You specifically work with books. And what you have so beautifully titled Shooks. So can you just tell everybody what that is? Yeah, it's funny. I'd say about 90 to 95% of people like it when they hear it. And then there's the 5%, which include my two daughters, by the way. And they're like, Dad, why would you come up with this word? So again, an important part of marketing, Alicia, as you well know, is how do you differentiate yourself? How do you know every all of us have competition? So how do you differentiate yourself? And one of the ways I always encourage clients is trying to develop your own special sauce. So yes, you may be a dentist and there may be 20 other dentists in your town, but there's got to be a unique way you should describe yourself, your practice, how you, you know, all the stuff that you do that's special. So, you know, there's a lot of folks that help people publish nonfiction business books. And we came up with the concept of a shook. A shook is a short helpful book. So it's essentially in a, a combination, a, a smash up of a <laughs> mashup of two words, there's a couple words, short, helpful book. And uh, it's our brand. So I always say there's McDonald's and Burger King, they both sell hamburgers, but one has the Big Mac, one has the Whopper. And uh, yeah, Shook is our brand of short, helpful, direct response book. Oh, so good. What is the thing that would allow someone to eat like create a shook. So if they are a podcaster, they're also a business owner. So they're thinking, okay, yeah, I want to write a business book, but also like that feels really daunting, but a shook feels a little, little more doable. And in the green room, we were talking, you said that someone had taken seven years to write their first book, but then when they were coming on with you to write their shook, it took them three months. So something that's bite-sized, actionable, where should they kind of start with thinking through if a shook is right for them? Great question. And let me take one step back. So just to every kind of everyone understands what we're talking about here. So the average business book, Alicia, 75, 100,000 words, you know, the 200, 300 page book, some are larger. A shook is about 12 to 15,000 words. So automatically it's, it's, it's about, and you know, I'm holding one up, but I know people aren't seeing it, but it's a real book. It's about a hundred pages. It's designed to be read in about 60 to 90 minutes cover to cover. Very intentional. So it's not meant to tell the whole entire encyclopedia of what you know. It's really meant to take a slice of that very focused topic and, and share some helpful information and then obviously bring readers to the next step. So I just wanted to give folks an idea. It's 100 pages, 12 to 15,000 words. To your question, it really comes down, Alicia, to thinking about what is a topic, my ideal reader. So the first thing we always work on is who are you trying to attract with this book? Because it's, it's not everybody. It, it really it should be a certain type of person who has either a goal to learn something, a goal to achieve something, get help with something, and develop the message, the topic, the title, et cetera, to that person. So if you have, we call it like, you know, I would say it's like the, the big idea of your shook or a shook hook, if you will, 
it's something that's focused. It's something that a, a slice of the population is going to want to learn about, know about. And, and the first step is, again, knowing who you're writing to and then really what are they looking for in writing the book, the shook, to that interest. This is something that I talk about quite often with podcasting as well. Of Like, you don't want to talk to the masses. There's no need to talk to the masses. There are podcasts out there with celebrity names attached to them to do that. But if you are a business owner, you don't need to be speaking to everyone. You need to know and do that market research up front. Who is it that you need to be talking to? What are their pain points? How can you address those pain points with your content so that you have those diehard listeners who are like, I'm here every week. I want to know what you have to say. Those are the people. And having had a podcast, it should be pretty easy if you've already done that upfront work to know who is your shook for, right? Like you've already done that research. You already know what their pain points are. You've interacted with your listeners to get that. So I definitely agree that market research and that upfront thing (laughs) that you need to do goes both ways for the podcast as well as for the shook. So we deal with about two-thirds of our clients are what I call Main Street business owners. So your local dentists, insurance agents, chiropractors, physicians, so, you know, those kind of folks. I say they want to be five-mile famous. And then <laughs> a third of our clients are folks like you and I who have more of a worldwide presence, CEOs, coaches, consultants. And it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, the people who are out there teaching so much of this stuff, you know, they'll show you they have millions of viewers or millions of downloads and all these followers. And, and I think it can discourage a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs like, oh, I'm never going to be Joe Rogan or whoever. Yeah. And to your point, it's not about that. You know, you want to be almost like this big fish in a little pond type of thing. You want to be the dentist in your town that's known for this. It doesn't have to go much beyond that five-mile famous, maybe 15-mile famous, whatever it is. But it's about really just getting the expectation right that you don't have to be this world phenomena to really, A, have an impact and help a lot of people and really have a nice business. Uh, This is such an important thing. And I have been seeing this repeated quite often in my own business circle a lot lately where a friend of mine who is in the podcast pitching space, she's actually, her agency is branching out to do podcast production as well. And a friend of mine was like, I don't know how you feel about that. Like she's going into your your industry. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. Like we are so different. I focus so heavily on those business owners and those like nonprofits and like using your message to generate leads. She's going at it from a different standpoint. And you know what? I had someone, I've told this story on the podcast before, if you're a new listener, buckle up, where when I started this iteration of my business in the podcast space, I had someone who was a direct competitor, was working with these coaches and business owners, reach out and say, you're copying me. And I emailed her back and I said, first of all, because she said our brands were similar. I was like, yours is feminine and golden pink. Mine is black and red and bold. Two totally different brands, first of all. (laughs) Second of all, you teach these business owners to launch in two weeks. I think that is the worst idea ever. (laughs) I disagree with it. I think you should take two months. And so we are not the same. And that's okay. There are people that are going to be attracted to her brand and people that are going to be attracted to my brand. So I think owning that is so important, whether you have a podcast or a shook, or if you decide you are going to write that big book, whichever, that you own that space and say, this is what makes me different and people like me for it. Yeah. And you know, to that point of that other individual, 
I liken that to like almost like a scarcity mentality, right? Th- yeah. This is a big world. You and I aren't doing anything real, you know, real that very unique right now. Today. Right. <laughs> you know, but in our own little world, we are. Our own little world, the people who listen to us, follow us, et cetera. So that's, again, you're absolutely right, Alicia. It's about being focused and, and being realistic and knowing that in order to serve your clients, customers, patients, students, whatever you have in your business, just be the best you can be in that, whatever that pond is, whatever that world of yours is. Yes. And I think that that attracts the right kinds of people, right? And so we had someone on, I want to say it'll be about a few weeks before your episode goes live, where her brand is very big and bold. And so like right away, it tells people, are you for her or not? And I love that because it, it creates that like, the people who are here are going to be here and they're for me. And that's perfect. I love that so much. It's just like, be yourself. Own your awesome weirdness. If you're weird, great. <laughs> own it. <laughs> and that's what's going to set you apart. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? We actually use that same strategy in our shook. So when we're working with a client, we actually, one of the very first chapters in a shook is who should read this book? We are very clear. If you read any of mine, you'll see it. It's like, Here's who I'm writing this book for. Here's who this book is not for. And I just, because again, I don't want anyone to waste their time and like read a book and then get all peeved you know, <laughs> because they, they, they wanted to learn how to write fiction. So yeah, I think being very upfront and, and making it clear is very smart. And I think that the small indie publishing side and the self-publishing side has done this really well in the last few years where you see these big publishers and they're not putting any trigger warnings or content warnings. And I read a lot of fiction. So there's not a lot of that stuff up front. And so it can be triggering for people. And in this space of the nonfiction, like letting people know, is this for me or is this not for me, I think is really important in attracting the right people, like you said, and getting the right people to actually take action. Because that's what you want them to do with a shook, right? Is to take action. How can business owners use their podcast. So say that they are, let's start with the solo podcaster. So the one who is doing almost exclusively solo episodes, and they want to use the content that they've already created. And we talked about this before, like, you don't have to podcast forever as much as like, if you would have asked me that two years ago, I would be like, no, you need to keep podcasting, get into it and like stay in it. Listen, guys, we learn and we grow. <laughs> if you are done podcasting, that's okay. But what can you do with that content? You've already created so much content. So what can that solo podcaster do? And then after we get into that guest podcaster. Yeah, I love the question. And I personally have not done this. I've seen it. I've done it in a different way, not with podcast content. But obviously, Alicia, your podcast is typically focused on a topic. And that topic is really no different. In many respects, it's like a book right? So think of it like a book and then think of your episodes as potential chapters. So let's just say for this example, you have 100 episodes and then you're done. Well, those 100 episodes, chances are those 100 episodes, you know there's good valuable content there. And yes, it's sitting up on some computer server somewhere and people are digesting it through a podcast app, but there's other folks who will never learn about it in in that media format. So Maybe finding out that you know, the episodes that the, were the best, that you know, highest rated, most downloaded, you had the most feedback on. Would they make for the good 15 chapters in a, in a book? Obviously, getting it transcribed these days is easier. I will say to that point, Alicia, a couple of quick tips. I have done 
again, not with a podcast per se. Right. I've created books through doing interviews and then doing that kind of book, right? So just one-on-one interviews, or in your case, like you're saying, a solo, just me talking. Take the transcript. Option one would be just take the transcript, clean it up, make sure a copy editor, someone cleans up the grammar. It doesn't change it because the spoken word, like the way you and I are speaking right now, it's not the way we would necessarily write. Correct. And it comes across different. So you can typically tell audio narration transcript versus someone writing something. But maybe you just want a down and dirty book and you're okay and you're saying, hey, this book contains my top 15 episodes as I delivered them. And in a matter of days, Alicia, you can have a book. You take the, you know, like I said, polish up the copy, make sure all the spelling and all that's right. Pop it into a book format, publish it on Amazon. You're done. So that would be one thing. Then to take that just a little bit further, obviously incurring more expense or more time and effort, you can then have maybe an editor or a ghostwriter literally clean up the narrative, you know, the, the spoken word and make it more written conversational, if you will. I like the idea of just saying, hey, this is like the best of the best, the best of Mike Capuzzi's podcast. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't change it. It is how we delivered it. And uh, you'll find a whole new audience for your content. Yeah. And there's your audiobook right there. You've already got it done. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I didn't even thought of that. But you're right. I've started listening to audiobooks, which is already hard enough for me because my ears can't handle a lot of audio having edited for so long. I'm like editing things in my mind as I'm listening. So that's been that's been interesting. But I do know that there are a lot of people who like to quote unquote read that way. And so there's your audiobook right there. I do think that's such a great strategy. So moving on to the person who has guests on their show or they like to use that content. I know you're probably going to say something along the lines of make sure that you have a media release initially. <laughs> that way you can repurpose their spoken word in some type of money making way. I've talked about that before on the podcast. We'll make sure that we link back to that episode of creating that media release form, making sure you have it. That way you're covered and that your guest understands that you're going to be using the content however you see fit. But take it away. How do you recommend people use those interviews? Again, a couple ideas. One would be similar to what I just described. So you, again, you could take your 15 top, whatever the numbers, 10, 15, 20, however big you want it to be. I do know a podcast host that did this several years ago. He did it as a big, thick, hardcover book. It looked like a, like an old school encyclopedia. And wow. he did 50 episodes in it. And it was neat. It, you know, he sold it for a couple hundred bucks too. He was a, a well-known podcaster. So he had that audience that was you know, rabid for his information. So you could, again, use that same strategy where it's you know conversations that you had on the podcast that are now in book format. Another unique way of doing this, Alicia, would be to create a new book, not from your podcast episodes necessarily, but by asking a certain number, again, let's just use the number 15, yeah. 15 of your podcast guests to write a chapter in a book. And this is known as an anthology-style book, a compilation book. I've published many, many, many of these. We were talking about our kids. When my daughter was a senior in high school. She published an anthology book on dog rescues. We had just rescued our first dog, and she did this as a summer project. It helped her. She used it when she was applying to colleges. Uh, she raised $6,000. It was a, uh, a fundraiser that she you know, was able to raise a lot of money. She got a ton of media exposure. And what she did was we went and found 25 other people. There's 26 authors total, including herself, that rescued a dog. And they wanted to share that story about why it was so important for them to rescue that dog. 
Mm. So you could come up with a idea for a book, approach podcast guests that were on your show and say, listen, are you willing to contribute? The book's going to be about email marketing. And you had all these different experts on email marketing and they would each write a chapter and it becomes a compilation book. And well, I'll stop it there. I could tell you some different strategies about do you charge them to be a part of it? You know, what's the value of this? But essentially, I mean, you're probably familiar with Chicken Soup for the Soul, mm-hmm. that, those series of books. Well, they're anthology books. Typically, every chapter is from a different author. Yeah. And having read fiction for the last few years and like really diving in, anthologies are a great way, just as like a reader to find new to you authors and discover if you like the kind like, say I'm reading a book that's all Halloween stuff, right? And so it's usually monsters and aliens and all the sci fi stuff. And I know that I like that genre, the sub genre. So having going through that and reading, you know, 600 to 700 pages of this book, I can find usually two to three new authors that I'm like, I want to know more about them. I want to binge read more of their books. I want to read their backlog, whatever it is. And so from a reader standpoint, I think that it's a great idea and a strategy to get new people. But also, like you said, it also creates that deeper connection with your podcast guests. So those people that you've had on, a way to collaborate further with them and take that relationship a step further, you also get access to their audience as well, which I think is such an underutilized strategy, right? And podcasting, yes, it's great for that also. But if someone were to say, I was an author in this anthology that perks people's ears up a little more than I was a guest on this podcast. The anthology idea, you're blowing my mind, is such a good idea. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, yeah, you just take the interviews that you've already done and you can repurpose them in that way. And yes, that could be a good way. But what you're expressing is taking it a step further that I think is, it's genius. Absolutely genius. Well, listen, for certain folks, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I could share hours of information about this, but there are certain types of topics that really having 15 different perspectives really is helpful. Right. So it's not just Mike Capuzzi's book, it's Mike and 14 other folks, for example. And then to your point of their audience, I call it the exponential power of an anthology book. Because once that book is published, they're going to promote it, they're going to talk about it, their followers are going to learn about it, and your information is being carried along with it because you're in the same book with them. So my first book, Alicia, was in 2007 that I published. It was an anthology book. I published a book. I'm in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. I found 30 other Philadelphia entrepreneurs, some very successful, some more startup. And again, I know I'm showing this to you, but this is a book. I had the idea on Labor Day in September, and by January, the book was done. I was interviewed on TV, radio, et cetera, because now that I'm out there marketing it. But I have relationships with those folks. This is 2007. I still have relationships with a number of those folks because of that book. That's so incredible. And I'm sure they've referred business back to you. You referred business to them. Like there's such a reciprocal relationship that can be created. And I'm all about that in the podcasting space, making sure that you're staying connected with your guests, that you're able to promote each other and bring business to each other. Even just stay connected, I think is such a valuable way to be a host, right? And to be a guest. 
if you could tell everybody what that book is, that way, if they're like, hey, I want to read that, or hey, I'm in the Philadelphia area. That one's not even available anymore. But my daughter's is on Amazon, Dog Joy. And I just published one. Well, I published one in this past veteran days called I Love America. This has 13 U.S. military veterans in it. I wanted to share their stories. We just donated, made a big donation to Tunnel of the Towers because of that. Awesome. And then um, you and I are fans of Podmatch. Did you come across these books? Yes. The two Podmatch books. So these are two anthology-style books from podcast guests and podcast hosts where they're each talking about the power of Podmatch. So those are a couple books that you can go to Amazon and find in a couple seconds. Perfect. And we'll make sure that we link those in the show notes for anyone who is driving or otherwise occupied and can't type in on the Amazon at the moment. How would people make some money from this? We've talked a little bit about like getting in front of other people's audiences, but say that you're like, all right, I want to maybe not create an anthology style book, but I want to create a shook, right? And I want to really hone in on this is what I do. This is how I'm a genius in my space. And how can they make money from that? The mind shift with the kind of things that we teach and the people we work with, it's not about selling books, Alicia. Matter of fact, oftentimes we encourage you to try to give as many away as you can to the right people. So yes, you might make a couple dollars here and there, but that it's the focus. Unlike you know, publishing a novel, for example, you're, you know, it is about selling the book and making that's where you make your money. The back end of the book, you know, whatever your products or services are, whatever your goal is, whatever your nonprofit is. I, I helped a, a Air Force fighter pilot. He's actually done two now. He's going to be doing his third anthology book, where everybody in his book is a fighter pilot. And he donates 100% of the proceeds to a, a, a youth cancer foundation because that's important to him. So whether it's making money, a do, you know, nonprofit, it's on the back end typically of having other products and services tied to it, et cetera. I will mention back on the anthology book for like podcast guests, you could charge a fee to be part of it. It could be a small fee. It could be a bigger fee. It all depends on what you want to do. It could be free. I've never done it free. I've done smaller fees, but because you know, you're you are the person who's curating all that. There's a lot of work you ought to be paid for it. So there is a way to make money on the front end there. But typically it's about using your book in a funnel and connecting readers to your other products and services. I love that you said that because I think that so often, especially with like podcasts, right? Like they're like, oh, I'm going to create this podcast and I'm going to make tons of money and I'm going to get thousands of followers and I'm going to get all these sponsors. And it's like, not really. It <laughs> mm. doesn't happen for a lot of podcasters. And I think the same goes for book writers. That doesn't happen for a lot of book writers. And it really is just about creating that brand awareness and your business awareness, what it is that you do, how you serve your clients and using that as a funnel, like you said to bring more people into your sphere, educate them. And then hopefully they will get on the phone and be like, I love you because I read your book. And I love you because I listened to your podcast. And that happened to me. And I had that happen to a client recently where she was at coffee with a friend and they were like, oh, I invited so-and-so. And And this person came in and started like fangirling about her podcast. She was like, it was my first time and it was really weird. And I was like, but it made you feel like, where's my crown? Because you put all this effort into it and then you can see like, oh, they listened to what I said. Isn't that cool when that happens? So cool. Yeah. I mean, we all wish it would happen a lot more, you know, but the reality is when it does happen, like when someone actually does say that, it is a very cool feeling. 
Yes. So it, someone reads your book and they they get on the phone with you and they say, I've read your book. I love what you do. Yes. Here's my credit card. Awesome. That is how you're going to make money. Absolutely. Oh, so good. So where can people find you, hang out with you, get to know more about what it is that you do? Well, you mentioned the podcast. So it's the you know, Author Factor podcast, authorfactor.com. But just because I, I try to you know walk the talk, talk the walk, I do have a gift for your listeners. Okay. So, and this is a teachable moment, right? So you, you've been nice enough to have me on your podcast. I, I got your okay ahead of time. But I have uh, three of our shooks, the magic of shooks, the magic of short books, and the magic of free books, which tells you 51 ways to use a free book strategy. And your listeners, Alicia, could read those for free. It's a hidden link. Um, it's a cool little digital format we use. If they go to MikeCapuzzi.com, which is my main website, MikeCapuzzi.com slash magic, and then let me know you heard me on Alicia's podcast. Yeah, you can, within seconds of hearing this, you could be reading those, those shooks. And then our publishing website is bitesized with a D, bitesizedbooks.com. Perfect. And we'll make sure that we link all of those in the show notes. Like I said, if anyone's driving or unable to type that into their browser real quick, then we'll make sure we have those links for everyone. Thank you so much, Mike. This has been so informational. And like, like I said, mind-blowing moments for me of like, why didn't I think of that? But I'm happy you did. (laughs) They're fantastic strategies. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listeners to Leads. If you found something in this episode valuable, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend who you know would also get value from it. Want to send me a message? My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.galati. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was from the episode. And don't forget, turning those listeners into leads is actually easy.